said to me this um, this week that the auto respect your elders the problem is they're getting harder uh, harder and harder to find <laughs> so yes um, if you would mind standing and let's just have a read of the word of God we're looking open in the book of Romans chapter 4 book of Romans chapter 4 We'll be looking at the first eight verses. Okay. What shall we say then? That Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Come, uh, I'm going to get the one I've got in the little thing here. Uh, uh, okay, verse 8. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Please be seated. Sorry, I missed the verse there. <laughs> in my Bible, it's only one little line. <laughs> uh, the book of Romans is, um, I think, if everybody, everybody here who is read the Word of God and, and has um, uh, studied the Word of God. <laughs> the Book of Romans is one of the most incredible um, books. Um, probably one of the greatest works ever ever penned. Um, and um, we know that this, when you look at um, the Word of God and the, the subject matter that is in the Word of God, the, I heard a saying once that Man wouldn't write it if he could and couldn't if he would. Man could not write this, this book. This is um, the Word of God inspired. Um, Paul, as he wrote this, it was the Word of God is, uh, as he wrote it down. And it's incredible. I'd like to just have a look at the man, uh, Apostle, the Apostle Paul. Now he wrote uh, the book of Romans being moved by the Holy Spirit. I'd just like to talk about him just a little bit. Um, all we know about, uh, we all know um, about Paul's conversion, how he was um, 
on his way to Damascus. Um, a man of who is what you can say is a narcissist. Paul, it was all about Paul. You know, um, there was a, who in the world would think of going to the, the, the um, priests and saying, look, I want to go to Damascus and bring these, bring Christians back. I mean, such a, a distance of 200 kilometers, which would take him about 10 days and just go to look to see if he can get some bring, uh, Christians to bring them back uh, for punishment. Um, he was a man of great zeal. We know that. And um, he really thought that he was doing God a favor by doing this. And I'd like for you to open your Bibles, if you would. And I don't think we have this on, 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 the, um, on the screen. But we turn to Deuteronomy. Chapter 13. Deuteronomy chapter 13. And uh, read uh, from chapter, read from verse 1 and 2. It says, If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, let us go after other gods which thou hast not, not known, and let us serve them. And then verse 5 says, And that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death, because he hath spoken to turn you away from the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, and redeemed you out of the house of bondage, to thrust you out of the way when which the Lord thy God commanded thee to walk in. So shalt thou put the evil away from the midst of thee. You read that verse, and you think of Paul with the zeal that he had for the word of God. You can understand why he went, why he was doing this, why he was persecuting, because he thought that he was doing God a favor. He thought he was being obedient to the word of God by doing, uh, when, when they were uh, preaching the Lord Jesus Christ. So they thought, well, they're bringing another God to us. I mean, the Bible says that whoever does that must be put to death. So he thought he was doing God a favor by doing all these things. But um, now the revelation that was given to Paul by the Lord Jesus Christ, I think that when he first got these the, the revelation, it must have been quite hard for him. Because this was, <laughs> this was totally something different to what he had known. But the, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ had changed his heart and he began to understand what God's plan for the world was. So it would have been hard for him, yet we have Paul here in this passage that we've just read from Romans chapter 4, verse 1 to 8. Paul, we know, was brought up in Jerusalem. If you want to have a look, I, I don't think these verses will be up there as well, but if you go, go to book of Acts, book of Acts 26, I know, um, we did move around a little bit, but the verses will be up on the, on the screen a bit later. But I, I want to just get an idea of this man, um, Paul, and what he was like. Acts 26. We'll be um, uh, verse 4 and 5. And it says here, My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among my own nation at Jerusalem. So we know he was a young man, and he was brought up in Jerusalem, and know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning. 
if they would testify that the most straightest sect of the religion, of our, uh, of our religion, are lived as the Pharisees. And then let's have another look at Acts 22, verse 3. And here Paul is uh, um, uh, speaking here and he says, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers and was zealous towards God as ye all are this day. And then I would like to also turn if I can, to uh, Galatians chapter 1. I'm just trying to get an idea of this man, Paul, and let him know what he was like and what kind of person he was. Move to Galatians chapter 1. And we'll read from verse 11. And the Bible says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. This was when uh, Paul was saved, and he, he, I think, people say, say this, that when he went into the Arab Arabia, the Lord revealed to him things. But, um, and, it, and it was by revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says here, um, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past, in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above my equals and my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. So we see this man, who is a zealous man, a very zealous man, and, and, and um, I'd like to turn in, uh, in one more pa short passage, in, as in Philippians chapter 3 to see what a transformation. This man, before he was saved, of course, his name was Saul. Also known as, uh, his real name was Saul. But he was, it says in the Bible that uh, uh, was also called Paul. So his real name was Saul. So, but we, of course, call him Paul because the Bible says that. <laughs> okay, let's look at um, Philippians chapter 4 and verses 4 through 9. I beg your pardon. I'm, I'm in the wrong place here. Okay, here we go. Right. Um, Bible says that though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinks that he hath whereof to, where, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. You see a man here who thought he had everything. And really he, he did, really. He, he was one of, the highest in the one of the highest positions. He was a Pharisee in the, the, the religion of the Jews. He knew the, the, the word of God very, very well. He knew, he knew pretty just about everything. And he had everything. He probably could have had all the wealth that he wanted, he would have, we know the Pharisees, what they were like, they were, Jesus, uh, 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 
continued uh, hammering on at the Pharisees and, their, and the problems that they had, saying they looked like uh, um, whited sepulchres, but inside they were full of dead men's bones. So they were uh, um, people that uh, looked from the outside good, but inside they were, they were pretty bad. And Paul was one of them. Now it says here, con uh, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having a, my own righteousness, which is, in the law, or, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. What a transformation from this man who had everything. He said, I count that rubbish <laughs> that I may win Christ. What an incredible thing. Okay, now let's go back to Romans. I just wanted to get a, an idea of what this man was like. And um, it was quite an incredible, quite an incredible thing. Let's look at this message and you know, this little passage that we have here. You think of Paul when he um, received the revelation and some of the concepts um, in the word of God are quite hard for peop people to accept. Think of justification and redemption, propitiation, what do these words mean? Remission of sins. But justification means to declare right. Well, it says, uh, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So uh, um, justification is to be declared right. Redemption is where you buy something back. You buy something. The Lord Jesus Christ bought us with a price. We're all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus Christ bought us out of that marketplace of sin to be with him, to be his. A propitiation is another word, which means the appeasement of wrath, satisfaction, the uh, sacrifice to assuage wrath. And Jesus Christ is said to be the propitiation for our sins. And God accepted the, 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 the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ made on the cross. And remission of sins, of course, we know that would be pardon, a giving up of uh, the punishment that was due. So that's, that's an incredible thing. A lot of these words are quite difficult because you could actually take one of these words and preach a hundred sermons, and it's true. There's so much in the Word of God. Unfortunately, not everyone believes these doctrines of the faith. Many people would read Romans, and they wouldn't accept these things being fact. Therefore, Paul calls on a witness and he continues to defend his message of salvation by grace through faith. Paul's witness is not none other than Abraham in verse 1 of chapter 4. This man was revealed, revered over by half of the world's population even now. In our day, Abraham is held in high esteem by the Jews 
five year year Muslims and by Christians. In Paul's day, many people, especially Jews, considered Abraham almost worthy of worship. So Paul, if he's going to appeal to any person to support his case, it's going to be Abraham. Since Paul, by the Holy Spirit, was led to use Abraham as an example of one who lived by faith, it's only appropriate we take time to consider it as well. So we have this opportunity. Let's look at these eight verses and witness firsthand the faith of Abraham. Our salvation is based entirely on faith. Anything else is not salvation. It's at the best deception and at the worst damnation. Firstly, I want to look at uh, the rumor of Abraham's faith. So the Jews held Abraham up as the prime example of a man who, was, who had been saved by works. They believed that he was the epitome of a life that was right. They believed that God accepted and justified Abraham because he earned it. Paul tells us here that if this is true, that if there is a note of truth in that rumor that Abraham had been made right by his works, then he had a right to glory. He could say, look at me, look what I've accomplished. If this were true, we'd have to hold Abraham up as the perfect example of righteousness. He would deserve all the acclaim that we could give him. Because today there are denominations all around us who in one way or another claim to be saved by their works. This is a, a huge topic and I don't, we've been around and we've knocked on many, many doors. We've been witnessing and talking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll ask them a question. Are you 100% sure that if you died right now that you'd go to heaven? Many people, some people say, I'm not sure. Some people say, yes, I think I'm going to go to heaven. And you say, well, what is the basis of that? Oh, I'm a pretty good person. You've heard it. We've heard it. I've heard it. We've all heard that thing. I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, I, I, I think I, I'm, I'll be all right. You, know, you don't have to worry about me. So that's the big thing. People, every other religion, apart from uh, true biblical Christianity, is a salvation by works. It's a do. You've got to do this. You've got to do that. You've got to do the other. Make sure that you get into heaven. And that isn't true of Christianity. True biblical Christianity isn't like that at all. So you can think of the Roman Catholics. They go to Mass. They, they have to do certain things. The Seventh-day Adventists, who think they have to refrain from eating certain foods and try to keep the law, they worship on, on the Saturday. They have to get their bread before the sun goes down on a Friday. You know, they try to, to, to make themselves favorable I suppose you could say in God's eyes the church of Christ is another one who think that baptism is a requirement for salvation the Bible doesn't teach that at all in any way baptism cannot save you baptism is a, an outward testimony of your faith that you already have in the Lord Jesus Christ so these people are wrong obviously so when we come to faith God's way, there's going to be no boasting in the flesh and what we've done. It will only be boasting in what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, 
for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans 3.27 says, Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Notice this phrase in verse 2 of this passage. It says, but not before God. So Paul is saying that even if this were true, and Abraham was somehow justified by his works and his goodness, God isn't impressed. God isn't impressed by it. You see, we are conditioned from when we are young, when we're small children. We learn that good deeds and good performance provides rewards that give us a sense of accomplishment and self-assurance. While the good things we do may prosper us in the flesh and in the eyes of men, it will do nothing for us, says the Lord. The Bible says in Romans 2.11, God is no respecter of persons. God has no respect for people. It will do nothing for us, says the Lord. Why? Because God does not look on the outside. God looks on the heart. I think we might have this one up at 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7. If you want to turn there, you can. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7. Is this thing okay? It's not bothering anybody. Just is it okay? The Lord, but uh, just work from verse seven. It says, "But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man, man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart." So we see here that Samuel was told by, by, um, by God to go to Jesse because uh, he's going to anoint the new king. And so Jesse brought, he said, bring your sons. So when uh, Jesse, went, uh, I mean, when Samuel went in there and, and Jesse brought uh, Eliab, his son, he looked and he said, wow, look at this guy. He's probably six foot two or something and really tough was a soldier we know that but the Lord said that's not him and then he went to his other sons Abinadab and then Shammah and then seven other sons that came before him and he says this is none of them it's not them he says have you got another son he said yes he's out in the field he's a shepherd he said we won't do anything until he comes so when uh, David came because he was a, a, a ruddy skin, and but he was a handsome guy. And um, the Lord, he was only a little uh, guy, so the Lord said to him, he's the one, anoint him. Because God knew his heart. God always looks on uh, the, uh, the heart. We look on the outside. And it's the same when uh, in, in Isaiah, it talks about God, when he judges, he doesn't judge by what he sees and what he hears. Because that's how a human court uh, um, uh, acts. The judge will sit and he will 
uh, look and he will hear the evidence and he will see the evidence. But let's not with God, it's not like that. Because he knows everything. He doesn't have to uh, hear things from somebody else. He knows everything already. So, yeah. God isn't impressed by, um, by, the, by those things. God isn't impressed by our good works. Isaiah 64, 6 says, But we are all as an unclean thing. We all are righteousness, we are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as the leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Faith alone saves. Believing saves. Na- do you remember the story of Naaman? Where he, um, God had given victory to the Syrian king through Naaman. But Naaman was a leper, and he was, the, and uh, he had captured a young servant girl, and the servant girl said, "Oh, if he would just go to uh, Israel, there's a prophet there who would heal him." What an amazing faith of that little girl! But think of, uh, of this: that when Naaman went and he uh, went to uh, Naam, I mean uh, Elisha's house, and uh, Elisha just sent a servant out and said, "Look, go and wash in, in the Jordan River." and Seven, dip yourself seven times and you'll be healed. And he was angry. He just thought at least he'd come and he would wave his hand over the place or something. But Elisha said, no, you go and wash. And you just go and wash in that river and uh, you'll see. So he, uh, his servants came to him because he was angry. He said, look, if he had asked you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? He says, small thing to go and wash and of course he did and we know what happened and Naaman was saved so what an incredible thing faith is the thing that saves secondly I look like look at the reality of Abraham's faith in verses 3 and 5 Paul tells us the real basis of Abraham's salvation simply stated Abraham believed God and God saved Abraham. When Abraham was 85 years old, childless man, the Lord came to Abraham and told him that he would have a child or children. In fact, God told him that his descendants would eventually outnumber the stars so he could see overhead. Genesis 15, 1 through 6 says, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding, exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing as I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he shall come forth out of thine own bowels, and uh, shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad, and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, if thou art able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. If Abraham believed God, that's all he asked for us to believe him. A simple message. The Bible tells us that the faith in the word of God was considered the basis of Abraham's righteousness because Abraham believed God saved him. The word counted in this verse 
means to credit one's account and to treat them accordingly. When we place our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God credits to our account righteousness. And that righteousness is the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. His righteousness clothes us, covers us. So when God looks at us, he, he sees the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't see us. Our sins are just, they're, they're just too bad. Only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can cleanse us from our sins. If we look for uh, God in any other way, by our own righteousness, we will not be saved. 2 Corinthians uh, 5.21 says, let's have, a, let's have a look at that verse. I'm showing you. Mine come up on the screen. You know, when I, when I do the notes here, I, I, when I do the sermon and, and I'm writing out the notes, I always end up with notes on the side. And sometimes I think, where did I put that bit? <laughs> you know, and then you end up with a, a sheet with loads and loads of little notes on it. And you try and think, where did I put that bit? And then um, you cross it out. And it might come back to you later. <laughs> so it is uh, quite something. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So the whole point that Paul is making is summed up in verses 4 and 5. Paul says that if we are saved by our own good works, then God is just paying off his debt to man when he saves sinners. Think of an illustration here. And you think, if you're working... I don't, they don't do it nowadays, but the old days you used to come along with a pay packet and give you your pay packet, you know, and a little envelope, and that's where your money was in the envelope. They don't do that nowadays, of course. But can you imagine if your, uh, your boss came up to you and said, with, you, with your pay packet and said to you, um, here's to you, a gift. Here's a gift for you. What do you think you would say? <laughs> gift for nothing. I worked for that. <laughs> I paid for I paid for that. I worked. And the same is true of salvation. If I am saved because I've earned it, then I can boast about my goodness. If that's the case, then you are not saved by grace. Because God owes it to you for what you've done. You can't put God into debt to save you. It's just impossible. This is a false view of salvation. Let me tell you. You can count on the fact that God will never be indebted to anyone, ever. God is not indebted to anyone. In verse 5, it goes on to tell us that even the God, ungodly person who believes God by faith will be saved. You see, salvation has never been or ever will be about works. It's all about faith. If there's anything attached to your salvation besides the Lord Jesus Christ, then you need to be saved. Because that brand of salvation will not get you to heaven. And it's all about faith. Remember in, in John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In another verse, in Acts 16.31, remember the, the Philippian jailer? What must I do, sirs? What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. 
Acts 8.37, the Bible says, And Philip said, Thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. It's a matter of faith. Faith is all that will save the sinner. Praise the Lord. I don't have to do good to get good before I come to God. Just uh, notice that word ungodly. God doesn't say, I wish that boy or that girl or that man or that woman would get good so that I could save them. No. It's not like that at all. Can't get your life on track and, and start living right. Think that that's going to save you. It's not going to save you. Not if that, were the, if, if that were the case, then each one of us would be in hell. None of us would be able to make it. We must come to Jesus as we are. Bible says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There are many people who are just trying to get into shape for the final meeting. Bible says that it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Judgment is coming. Everyone is going to die. We've got an appointment. We don't know when that could be. It could be five minutes from now could walk out of this door and something could happen driving home something could happen we don't know it happens all the time we don't know the bible says that after this the judgment judgment is coming so many people want to try and get into shape for this time there was a story i, I was reading about and it's about this 106 year old man and he was a Catholic, and he said, uh, I say the rosaries on, ancient, on this old set of beads, and I like Mary, and I like St. David as well, and I, I pray to him every day. And when he was asked who St. David was, he said, I don't know, but I've been praying to him for years. Okay? And it's taken me 106 years, but I've finally stopped cursing. I don't stop cursing now, and I don't swear anymore. I've never had a drink in my life, not once. We're all born under the curse, I know. And Adam and Eve brought that Adam and Eve brought on us. So we have to work hard to get to heaven. That's the only purpose for our lives. Not fame, not fortune. I'm living for hope that when I die, I'll go ahead I'll go to heaven according to the laws of God. See old Charlie, he represents many people in the world today. Charlie said that we're all under the curse of Adam and Eve on us and that is true Bible says wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed among all men for that all have sinned we agree that the next statement that we have to work hard to get to heaven no and a thousand times no that's not Romans 4 uh, what Romans 4 is arguing against you don't have to work hard to get to heaven and the thirdly the results of Abraham's faith. Was Abraham reacted in faith to the promises of God? There were certain results in his life that were worthy of notice. Paul is going to illustrate the principles we had just mentioned regarding Abraham's faith, but he's going to use David to illustrate the point. And he quotes David in, 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 in his psalm, in Psalm 32, as in, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. 
In these verses, Paul reveals three results that become ours when we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. They're definitely worth noticing. Firstly, our sins are forgiven. The word means forgiven or sent away in a very real sense. When we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, our sins are forgiven forever. Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 38.17 says, Behold, for peace I had great bitterness, but thou hast loved to my soul, delivered it from the pit of corruption, for thou hast cast all my sins behind thy back. Isaiah 43.12 says, e- I, even I, he that blotteth out he that blotteth out all out thy, out thy transgressions for mine own sake, I will not remember thy sins. In Micah 7.19, he says, He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou, thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Some people say that that's why in the new earth there's no, no, no sea. Because <laughs> all, all the sins are in there. <laughs> so... Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says, And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotted out the handwriting ordinances that were against us, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And 1 John 1, 17, 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And you see, our sins are covered. The word covered means completely and they can never be uncovered. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is so powerful that it covers all sins, past, present and future. They've all been covered by the, by, uh, if your faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I believe that I am saved forever. If my future sins can, be, uh, can send me to hell, then I'm not saved. And it's either all or none. And all means all. All of our sins. Our sins are not counted against you. The word imputed it means to credit to one's account and to treat accordingly. It is the same word that is used in verse 5. It means that once you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, your sins will never be credited to your account because they have been credited to his account. That verse which we read earlier, 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he has made us to be sins for, uh, made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And finally, we've been forgiven. We have been covered and our sins are no longer charged to our account. Praise God. What a tremendous blessing that we should, uh, as we as Baptists should shout, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're saved. And in conclusion, the Lord Jesus Christ paid our debt. He credited our account with his righteousness so that we now are the sons of God and are right in the eyes of our Father in heaven. What a great standing we have. Faith and works are mutually exclusive. Works are good, but they cannot save your soul. It's faith and faith alone that makes us right. When we try to mingle with 
then with other uh, things, we create an abomination. And our works will always negate our faith. Remember, for by grace are you saved through faith, and it not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. Salvation is purely by faith. Question. You plow through this question. <coughs> are you 100% sure that you're going to heaven? If you can't answer that question, the Bible says you can know for sure. I just want to share a verse with you and, and, and then we, we'll be done. And this is in uh, 1 John. Let me just get there. You might get there eventually. Let's see. 1 John chapter 5. The Bible says, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you think you're good? The Bible says that there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. That's in Romans. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But you know what? There's a good thing. There's a great thing. In Romans chapter 10, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's from the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever, that means you and me. All you have to do is call, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, and you'll be saved. It's a matter of calling on him. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for the power of uh, um, the message and, uh, of, uh, uh, from Romans, for the wonderful gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord, uh, the Lord laid down his life for us. He died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again from the dead. Lord, we thank you that we serve a risen Savior this morning. And we love you, Lord, and thank you for your goodness. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you be with every one of us as we go our separate ways today. Please keep us safe, Lord, and uh, watch over us as we this week. Give us an opportunity to share the gospel, to speak to somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ, that they might be saved and know for sure that they go to heaven when they die. We thank you now for this and all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.